Today is November 3rd, 2019. Welcome to Common Ground. The sermon series we are in is called De and Reconstructing Faith, The Essentials of Holistic Faith. This sermon is called Rethinking Evangelism, and the speaker is Chris Romine. Enjoy. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Uh, again, my name is Chris Romine, and I'm the organizing pastor for Common Ground. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we are just but a few months old looking to drive a wedge between. No, just kidding. Um, we are looking to plant a church and gather a community that is authentic uh, to God's, what we believe is God's calling and mission on earth, which is to build a table wide enough where everyone has a seat and can eat, uh, to kick down doors that create inequity and a lack of access, uh, and to overwhelm the hierarchies of our social constructs that keep some folks down while privileging others. So if that's something that you're interested in about Common Ground, then we're glad that you're here. Come join the party. We're just getting started. It's kind of fun to watch it snowball a little bit and lots to talk about. Uh, we've been in a series for the last couple of weeks called Deconstructing and Reconstructing Faith, The Essentials of Holistic Faith. And today I'm tasked with talking about rethinking evangelism. Now, how many feel really good about the idea of evangelism? Hands up. Yep, I, I feel like I read the crowd appropriately. And how many people feel relatively terrible about the idea of evangelism? Good, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty good too. Um, okay, how many are somewhere in the middle? Cool. Um, God spews you out of, no, I'm just kidding. You know that verse? Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series called Deconstructing, Reconstructing Faith, where we're hitting a number of topics that conservative Christianity and evangelical Christianity in America have summarized a bit too easily. If you found yourself into common ground today, it's probably because you're curious about or there's some sort of intuition that has led you to a wider, more exploratory faith that breaks open simple answers and that takes the kind of a, that takes a kind of community uh, ethic that we need to kind of work on over the course of time. Um, what it means to be an open and affirming and inclusive community uh, comes with its own complications in territory if you have come from a church that is not welcoming uh, to something that's not heteronormative or predominantly white. So we in this series thought we might take some really tough subjects uh, like heaven and hell and the process of deconstructing faith and the bad news of purity culture and questions about gender and sexuality and questions about economy. And then last week, questions about uh, purpose, which Andy hit, which if I recall, the one liner was everyone's purpose is to get a dog. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's what you started. I I re-listened to the sermon, and that's what you started off with. So today, we hit a really sticky word, clearly, evangelism. I think it's important to note that the idea of evangelism um, is built off of the other conversations that we've had over the last couple weeks. And today's is going to be primarily on the conversation of heaven or hell. Uh, Why? Because, well, evangelism has been presented as this. You total stranger, are going to hell. Uh, I don't know what else to say besides that the thing you didn't know about, this God, now spells eternal punishment for you, but is also simultaneously the greatest story ever told. 
And now that you have been told about it, since this is the formula, now you're definitely going to hell if you don't accept it because I was made to be the one to deliver the message to you and all the good news that comes with it. Uh, where people who don't hear the good news go, can't really think about that right now because now you've heard about it. Again, total stranger, usually in another country or someone random on the side of the street. So I, Christian, exist on earth to tell as many people about Jesus as possible so that they can convert to Christianity so that they don't burn in hell forever and ever. And should they decide to reject this really good news, because, I mean, it just sounds really good at face value, at least this blood isn't on my hands, right? Like, wipe it off. I'm good. I played my part. I told you the one-liner. It's your call now if you want to go to hell. And that's good news. Sound familiar? Okay. Good. Look, no matter how we dress it up, And no matter what words we add to it, pithy one-liners, cool, hip, you know, sayings, alliterative names for our evangelism campaigns, a billion dollars raised to just give to kind of nowhere. Um, Usually, honestly, it's white people in Europe and America giving to Africa and South America in the name of God. Um, As if, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone. We'll hit hit that later. We cannot deny the fact that the root of almost all evangelism that we've been introduced to is the goal to convert someone so that they are kept from hell. And then on to the next person to do the same. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Does anyone think that that's a good story? Good. If someone nodded. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is not safe space for you to nod. Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm 35. I became a Christian at 27, walked into my first church for the first time. Big mega church, lots of lights, lots of smoke, uh, tight pants, person yelled a lot, etc. We all know know the the brand. And this anxiety and pressure was palpable in my soul. It was alive and well. I got one service in, maybe two services in of really fun songs, looked around as everybody had their hands in the air, crying, etc. And here's what I learned within just a few messages. Friend, you are not a Christian. Do you want to go to the hot place? Guess what I did? I mean, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I prayed that thing like 25 times. So many different words. I mean, do do y'all come from one of those churches that like has the specific prayer, right? I remember when I swapped uh, when, I, when I swapped in my theology, I had been brought up in the first couple of years with a major band that rhymes with Nil Nong. And with this band, I went to this, I went to this, con- con- this, this concert. Do you remember this, Jill? You were furious with me. And it, it's like my eyes had been opened because this evangelical yelling match was really just to get people to put their hands in the air say that they're ready to follow Jesus. And this person from the, from the um, stage just declared, you're good. And now walk up to the front, I got you a Bible, and then go on and be on your way. It feels, I hate to say this, it feels so cheap. On one hand, so cheap. Not hospitable, cheap. And on the other hand, right, with the same mouth, 
we are condemning all sorts of people to hell if they don't follow the formula that we have rightly defined needs to fit into that concert or that service, right? It's why I think evangelicalism is falling apart at its seams right now because it can't actually figure out its own theology. And so on one time, on one side, just baptizing people, like how many people have you baptized this month, right? Like I worked for a church that that was was that way. And another one like, oh, well, I don't know. Did she pray the prayer? She's She's probably going to hell then. Which was something that was literally said to my wife about one of my wife's friends who was Jewish by a conservative Christian. Did she pray the prayer? She's probably in hell. And if our ethic for conversion and then our ethic to evangelism is so narrow and cheap as that, why would anyone want anything to do with the God that we are promoting? Amen? Okay. So early on, eight years ago, found my evangelical church, jumped into it, got baptized, got Rebaptized just in case at a Calvary Chapel down in Florida a couple years later because you know I had sinned a little bit, so I wanted to make sure that I was still good, right? And I told them I already got baptized, and they were like, "Do it again. You can never have too many baptisms." <laughs> so you can also bet that the moment that I was saved, here's the parenthetical thought, or kind of saved. Because, like, let's all admit, if we were baptized into that faith or saved into that faith, that there's always that little tinge that maybe we're still maybe going to hell. Right? Like, maybe we didn't say the prayer right. And God is very formulaic. So, like, if we missed a word, we might as well, like, jump to the left one tradition and go, like, a little more charismatic and pray their words. Uh, or maybe I sinned a little bit between my last pr- sinner's prayer. Maybe I didn't get it totally right. So maybe I've lost my faith because who the hell knows at this point? So I prayed the prayer Jesus to Jesus over and over again. And the minute that I knew that I was saved or mostly saved, I turned around and projected all of my internal anxieties and uncertainties onto my friend. No, no, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. But when I realized that I was saved or mostly saved, I took all the unhealthy responsibility for other people's souls and thrust it onto them in order that I would say that they are internally damned unless I say something. So I said... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that either. What I meant to say is I turned around and evangelized the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody. Let's be honest. Isn't this the energy of evangelism? Damn it, I'm scared you're going to go to hell. Mom, sister, brother, best friend, spouse, partner. And I need to help you out of hell. Because this tribe just talked me out of hell with this prayer, and you're not with this tribe. And so my word vomit and anxiety-induced fear of your hell path needs to keep you out. Just pray it, and you'll be good. Again, something to be honest about. This message is compelling. Strip away all the previous sass that I just brought, and here's the reality. When I thought that life on earth here was all about, here's the crux of this entire sermon. If you take nothing from it or you're taking notes, the entire idea of life here on earth is about to get to a life elsewhere and avoid that hot place. So you better convert here quick and you better look around and start noticing everyone in your orbit Praying to a God as if God is not in control and our prayers need to shift their faith, their faith journey in such a way that 
God, before we prayed, was going, yeah, that person's going to hell. And then C starts praying, and God's like, damn it, all right, fine, we have room, and lets him in. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Give me a break. Look, if you're in common ground, it's probably, I'm sorry if you're in common ground and this is not the case, uh, uh, this is a good sermon to be here to determine, do I want to come back or should I never come back? If you're in common ground, it's probably because you found things like this a little bit cheap and thin and suspect. And then your tuition, your intuitions are telling you, this sounds a little petty. This doesn't sound like good news. This doesn't sound like love. And I don't know what sort of gate God is keeping, but it doesn't sound like a great one. This is the good God I profess. The one that is going to send God's own creation and children into a pit of everlasting fire and death is not a very good evangelistic tactic. And there's no mistake that a lot of your friends, if you try it out on them, will not pick up what you put down. There's another idea out there, though, right? Like, I think that I've made no secrets over the course of the last couple of months that I am what I would call a hopeful universalist. This is to say, I hope that every single person on earth finds their way reconciled back to God through means that I am in a finite person, completely unaware of and incapable of conceiving right now in the life as I understand it. But that our God is so big that God is going, man, you really thought it was like an in or out thing and you have no idea the way I'm working in this person's story. You saw a snippet of it and made a determination. And is that not everything wrong with the world right now? So I'm quite sympathetic to the idea of a hopeful universalism and I dismiss the anxiety of converting others or winning people to he- heaven. I fear this idea falls short of helping us with a healthy evangelism because the case that I will make today is a healthy evangelism is necessary in the way that we live. Because while this idea of unhealthy evangelism removes responsibility for salvation, it also doesn't necessarily invite agency into the places and the systems and the things that people are living in hell right now through. See, if we rip down the veil of heaven or hell past this life and the life to come, and we actually say what Jesus said everywhere, which is not the kingdom of God is coming down in the future, but the kingdom of God is here now, then the kingdom of God is proliferating all over the world right now. As is a kingdom that wants to chip away at the kingdom of God, which is brokenness, which is hierarchy, which is a lack of access in inequity. And if the kingdom of God is to break into this world, then this world is to feel more patience and more peace and more kindness and more abundance and more gentleness, etc. So I'm going to go after the other side of the ideas in common ground and try to find a middle ground. Okay. One side is this old idea of evangelism is BS, right? Shuck the idea of heaven, shuck the idea of hell, don't don't have anything for it. What we've sometimes slipped to the other side is, well then, all people are going to heaven, and I, God will figure it out. 
You cannot count how many times I've sat down in coffee, beers, gin, food, to talk with people about the way they trust God to figure it out. To that Christian, I say amen. I do think God is trying to figure it out and will figure it out. God is also inviting us to figure it out. Because all roads, if heaven is not an elsewhere place, but is it now, all roads are not leading to heaven right now. ISIS is not leading to heaven right now. Right? Black men and women being shot unarmed by police is not leading to heaven right now. Prisons filled disproportionately with people of color is not leading to heaven right now. Kids getting locked in cages right now. I would say, they would say, that is not heaven. And so when we talk about what we do in evangelism, it has implications for the here and now. And it invites a sort of agency, like a, a sort of marketing, if anything, Of our lives if we're leaning into the promises of God. So what does God promise us? One of the most abiding pieces of um, disorientation, of evil, of brokenness in this world right now is scarcity. Scarcity in our time. Scarcity in our resources. Fear that we are not being given enough. Fear that we're not making enough. Most of us in New York City are susceptible to something like this because most people who came to New York City, as we talked about last week, came to make it big. If you're not from here. So you come to New York, you try to cut a life, you don't get paid what you imagine you thought you were going to get paid. You cannot imagine the number of people I sit down with and they make $150,000 and they tell me if you make $175,000, I'd be happy. And I didn't know that person when they were making 125 and are now making 150. And the same person says that when they're at 50 and want to go to 60. Right? And the same person says it at 25 to 50. Right? It's a never-ending fear of scarcity. We spend a number of our resources and our time on ourselves. And then we look up to the rich and wonder why they are so greedy. I just want to say, friends, that if we're to follow the evangelist of all evangelists, Jesus... He walked around with total abundance in resources and time. He napped all the time. Seriously, look up in the Bible how many times Jesus naps. Look up in the Bible how many times Jesus has an opportunity to build his brand and just bounces. It's it's almost formulaic that it says, as a crowd gather, Jesus retreated, went to the other side of the lake, or took a nap. Right? On a boat, yeah. Jesus was an evangelist through and through who cared about breaking into the world a way of life that brings healing, less harshness, more hope, more peace, more prosperity at a soul level, not at a material level. And Jesus brought this in, and when Jesus said, I am the hope, I am the way, I am the life. He said nothing about heaven or hell. Please go read that because we are reading into it that that's a gatekeep of heaven and hell. Jesus is saying, I'm an evangelist. Do you want to see how easy it is to live when you don't have a bunch of stuff and you're not committed to it? You want to see how easy it is when you're not so so caught up and anxious about building your own brand and about being seen 
that actually you can go take a nap when the crowds, the very thing that's going to give you some shine, show up. Friends, I fear, and I will use like conservative evangelical language here, if we're to be a prophetic witness to the world, if we're to be a counterculture to the way that this world or the city is traveling, I don't know that we as a people, common ground, each of us individually, me, the church in, in the city, is really leaning into an abundance model, that they're not scared of scarcity. Because look, ah, I'm going to skip that part. There's a whole bunch of things that I just listed and said. If churches were trusting of abundance, they would do X and Y and Z and etc. I will skip that because it's being recorded. I'll tell you guys after. (laughs) My fear, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, is that if evangelism has always been about heaven or hell, and we just cut that completely out, right? Like cut that crap out. Then actually evangelism still matters, but in the here and the now to bring joy and peace and kindness and rest to a city that is longing for that stuff. And if we are not joyful, peaceful, restful, kind, less harsh, less selfish, more abundant, how are we going to be evangelistic to other people? It is true we are not responsible for someone else's salvation. If your God needs you to save them into the, per- the place that he's created or she's created, I don't want that God. I don't want that responsibility. I don't believe God is doing that on earth. I think God is tying evangelism to Missio Dei, the mission of God on earth, the partnership that God invites us into, into the things that God is already doing so that we can embody patience, peace, kindness, abundance, gentleness, the gifts of the spirit. All y'all know it. There are a number of ways in which we can evangelize. One that I've named and I will name over and over again is abundance. What is your time spent on? We are planting a church here, a new community of disparate parts. We are not monocultural or monoethnic. We're not trying to be. It means it takes more work to get to know somebody. The pathways aren't as easy as they were in previous churches to just graft into some social life. But nevertheless, the same pain, the same questions, the same doubts, the same love, the same story, all of that abides in this room the same way as any other room. If we're to work together, let's use some of our resources. I have fun telling people that I show up on Sunday every day to church. You should see how many people walk away from me when I tell them that I'm a pastor. It's amazing. (laughs) Honestly, like 10 years ago, I would have been the person walking away from the pastor. But look, I I have fun telling people um, I spend a portion of my salary on things that give me absolutely no return. I give to things that I believe in, this church included. Jill and I have agreed on a percentage. Uh, And to just take it personal for a second, uh, Jill has some, um, which I'll let you present on your own, but is having some um, uh, uh, employment issues. And our economy might fall right off a cliff in the next month, uh, me and Jill's. 
And as our prayers have persisted over the last month, it has been over and over again that it will be okay. That we aren't going anywhere. That God has called us to this place. Um, that God is doing something here, regardless of what the pay is. Am I scared? Yes. Is my evangelism that God is in control in the midst of uncertainty? Yes. Is the uncertainty going to make me cling to scarcity? I hope not. And that's why I come to church to be held accountable with other people that are traveling the same way to call me out of a scarcity model and into abundance. There are things that I am scared of. Unknown things often, unknown thoughts that I haven't quite reconciled, peoples perhaps that I haven't quite reconciled. So as I look to the national zeitgeist of the fear of other, the implicit bias of fear of brown folk coming from the south, the implicit bias of black folk who are unarmed and pulled over for a traffic violation, all of this is something that each of us should go I recognize what it's like to be scared of something that I don't fully understand. Each of us should have humility to say, I don't quite, like, take away, like an ad lib, take away whatever the fear is that you're angry at that other people have, and you have something akin to it. And if we serve an evangelist who calls us out of fear, then perhaps one way, the second way of evangelizing a hope in a better world is through walking away from fear and into faith and trust. How many of us fear that things have not gone our way with our finances, with our jobs, with our housing, with our relationships, with our fertility? What are the sorts of things that have kept us up at night to make us anxious and then have woken us up the next day and made us far less of an evangelist than the way God is calling us to evangelize the world. These are things not to make you feel shame, Christian, feel guilty of, but these are things to look in the face. Evangelism has never, ever been about saving someone's soul to heaven. It is about trusting that God will take care of God's kingdom, will invite all of us into it, And in the meantime, there's all sorts of bad news that we can get our hands dirty with to make it better news. But it starts with us. At the personal level, Jill and I have struggled. And I mean, it's important, I think, that the pastor models some humility, some fear, some some um, some some uncertainty, some vulnerability. There are some things that you are not responsible for it. But to say that I am preaching abundance to you is because I myself am trying to practice it too. I have not mastered it. I'm in a season right now where we need to practice it. Another season that we sit in, moving away from the personal to the communal, is this church plan. I hope that y'all can graft in, waste some time that's not going to, that's not going to return in an investment for you. Waste some money. Waste some planning. Do some things that the entire world says, don't waste your time on that. Because I would not trust those who say don't waste time. Because the child of God wasted a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of resources making the world look a lot better. And that is the heart of evangelism. Evangelism is a posture. Jesus instructs his listeners, say peace to people. And then in the central text that Jesus is, Jesus uses in Luke, 
to argue for an evangelism across the world, Jesus says that if you showed up, can you pull that up, Jeff? Yeah. If you show up to someone's house, spend time with them. Now, this is a different culture, this is a different context, etc. But the point is, no evangelism works outside of relationship. So people need to see that you have an abundance model. People need to trust that you trust that God is at work. Remain in the house eating and drinking whatever they set before you, for workers deserve their pay. Don't move from house to house. You should walk up to any street preacher that you find and go, stop moving from house to house. Go get to know one single person and spend the rest of your life talking to that person about how good God is. Get rid of your anxiety. Go back, Taylor. Verse 3. Go, be warned, though that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, carry no wallet, no bag, no sandals. Don't even greet anyone along the way. Whenever you enter a house, first say, may peace be on this house. If anyone shares God's peace, then your peace will rest on that person. Friends, if you want to attack the very central text of evangelism that the West has used to run into other places of the world and colonize them in the name of God, it is the opposite of what Jesus is telling us here. Jesus is saying it requires relationship. Why does it require relationship? Because it requires nearness to people like me and Jill to see that when we get scared of scarcity, that y'all actually might hold us up. And that is, in the relationship, evangelism in and of itself. It's to be near a church like Common Ground that is trying to make room for people who have been pushed out of churches not too far off of Common Ground for their sexuality, their gender, their race, their education, their education status, their class, etc. Friends, evangelism is an embodiment. So let us embody the trust that God is alive in this world. Be profoundly careful about the anxieties that you feel about saving someone's soul. It was never about that. Also, be suspicious of the idea that you play no part in God's story here on earth because you do and your story matters. A few months ago, Common Ground was birthed because we knew there was a market, so to speak, of people searching for a new way of doing church. A number of conversations I had with people still to this day just aren't into church, either because of pastoral abuse, financial impropriety, with leadership, the church's political or social views that aren't aligned with the individual, etc. So right there we have it. We have an idea. We have a reason. We have a purpose. We have a mission. And we walk into this mission rather wide-eyed, uncertain, a little unkempt, a little messy. But trying to be a place that's more inclusive, contextual, socially aware, reconciling, willing to accept doubt, willing to ask better questions than have better answers, and to play the long game. I hope that as you watch Common Ground grow, that you see that at the center of the story of Common Ground is Jesus. Who invites people to rip down the hierarchies that create anxiety. To reject any sort of racism or heteronormativity or patriarchy that might sift people away from getting paid fairly. From their testimonies being believed. From stepping into leadership at a place like Common Ground. Other churches. From being electable. Etc. 
If you don't believe that God is part of these systems, you and I disagree. But I suspect if you're in the room, it's because you do. And so I say to you, sibling, let your evangelism be the work that you do on a day-to-day basis to make this world better. And do not be afraid to tell people that it's your God that compels you in this work. Because it's worth saying that. If you talk about Equinox as happily as you do, talk about Jesus. (laughs) I'll end it there. May peace be with you. Amen.